Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with guest pastor Char Broderson. Embrace the life that God has given to you. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Wherever we are in our life, whether it's our career, our job, school, relationship status, or station of life, it is not by accident. God knew that you would be here at this time and is in control of the circumstances. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Char Broderson continues our study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Join us as Pastor Char concludes his teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 6 through 7 and verses 17 through 31 in a message titled, The Gift of Singleness. And now here's Pastor Char. It's about Jesus. It's about his kingdom advancement. Whether you're single or you're married, the call is the same. To glorify God, to put the kingdom of God on display, to use whatever status station you've been given in life for God's glory, for the benefit of others, for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Now, I think practically, church, that means that we don't just teach this truth of 1 Corinthians 7. We've got to live it out. How do we do that? We live it out by freeing singles from the shame or pressure of being unmarried. We get rid of both the traditional and the contemporary ideas surrounding singleness and marriage. And we take up Jesus's politic around these things. Jesus's scripture's idea about these things. It means married couples need to speak realistically and not just sentimentally about marriage. It means we also need to treat single members of the body of Christ as equal partners in the congregational life and leadership of the church. We need representation. So this is a call for us to live this out. I want to take a moment just to continue to address the single person here that says, Oh, yeah, Char, okay, great, thanks. I've been single for 30 years, and I still feel like I'm missing out. There is an article written by a woman named Paige Benton, and it's called Singled Out by God for Good. And I would just ask, if you are single, please find this article on the Internet. Just Google Singled Out by God for Good, and please read this. But I'm going to quote heavily from it right now. She writes this. John Calvin's secret to sanctification is the interaction of the knowledge of God and the knowledge of self. Singles, like all other sinners, typically dismiss the first element of this formula. And therein lies the root of every identity crisis. It's not that hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, but that life has no tragedy like our God ignored. Every problem is a theological problem. And the habitual discontent of us singles is no exception. If everyone around me is married, all my family, siblings, friends, church family, is God being any less good to me than he is to them? The answer is a resounding no. God will not be less good to me because God cannot be less good to me. It is a cosmic impossibility for God to shortchange any of his children. 
God can no more live in me apart from the perfect fullness of his goodness and grace than I can live in Nashville and not be white. If he fluctuated one quirk in his goodness, he would cease to be God. Warped theology is at the heart of attempts to explain singleness. She goes on to explain, listen to these, this is so good. As soon as you're satisfied with God alone, he'll bring someone special into your life. As though God's blessings are ever earned by our contentment. You're too picky. As though God is frustrated by our fickle whims and needs broader parameters with which to work. Here's another. As a single, you can commit yourself wholeheartedly to the Lord's work. As though God requires emotional martyrs to do his work, of which marriage must have no part. One more. Before you can marry someone wonderful, this one's my favorite, the Lord has to make you someone wonderful. I hate these cliches. They drive me mad. As though God grants marriage as a second blessing to the satisfactorily sanctified. So good. She goes on. Accepting singleness, whether temporary or permanent, does not hinge on speculations about answers God has not given to our list of whys, but rather on celebration of the life he has given. I am not single because I am too spiritually unstable to possibly deserve a husband, nor because I am too spiritually mature to possibly need one. I am single because God is so abundantly good to me because this is his best for me. And it is a cosmic impossibility that anything could be better for me right now than being single. The psalmist confirmed that I should not want, I shall not want, because no good thing will God withhold from me. Amen. We need more of that deep theology at work in the church. And in our community here, we want to practice the goodness of God. We want to practice the sovereignty of God, that God has placed us where we are because he is good, because he does good, and he promises to do us good. We need to live that out. I love how she quotes from Psalm 84. No good thing will God withhold from me. Listen to the verses surrounding that. A day in God's courts are better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. You see, the temptation of all of us, whether married or single, is to think that God is somehow keeping us from what will really satisfy us. This is the lie from the beginning. Has God really said? God knows that if you take this, you'll be satisfied. Your eyes will be open. You'll be like God. This is a temptation of every one of us, but it's an absolute lie. And God has proved through the giving up of his son to death for us that he will not and does not withhold anything that is good for us. We need to speak this gospel truth over one another. Paul says this, if he did not withhold his son from us, will he not freely give us all things? 
We need to remember these truths, speak them over one another, while remembering as well that God as our Father, as our Maker, is the one who decides and truly knows what is best. He knows what is good. Do we believe that? Listen, if marriage is going to conform you more into the image of Christ, if it's going to make you more beneficial to the kingdom cause, then God will bring that into your life. If singleness is going to conform you more into the image of Christ and you know, cause you to be better used for kingdom advancement, then God will bring that into your life. Whatever causes you to lean more on the Lord for dependence, those are good things. And God promises those for his people. God has done you good, is doing you good, and will do you good. The psalmist says, how blessed, flourishing, whole, and at peace is the one who trusts this truth. Church, do we believe that? Do we believe that, that no good thing does he withhold? At peace, flourishing, Full are those who trust this promise. Now, lastly, I want to talk about what Paul says here. If this is true, if God has called us into this station of life, whether single or married, if this is a grace gift, then Paul's exhortation is take hold of it. Own it. Advance the kingdom of God from where you are at Presently, Listen to what he says. Each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing. And uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Remember, the new creation, this is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although, if you can gain your freedom, do it. For the one who is a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who is free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings or human ideas, is what Paul is saying. Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Oh, this is so good. It's so freeing when we receive this. Look, wherever you are at in your life, this is ordained by God. This is good. Receive it as a gift. Own it. Trust in the goodness of God and step into that identity in a full way. Put two hands on the wheel and advance the kingdom of God from where you're at. I can't think of a better example of this than Jesus Christ himself. Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. This is what Jesus did. He embraced the life the Father assigned to him, the identity the Father assigned to him, the beloved Son who would carry out the family mission to redeem the world. 
He embraced that call, although it included great suffering and hardship, difficulty, temptation, oh, but so much goodness. The redemption of the world, the vanquishing of death and the powers of evil, the establishment of the kingdom of God. Jesus embraced the life the Father assigned to him. Embrace the life that God has given to you. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. What does this mean practically? Think first, we recognize that wherever we are in our life, whether it's our career, our job, school, relationship status, or station of life, it is not by accident. It is not arbitrary. It's not a chaotic mistake. It's not a stepping stone. God knew that you would be here at this time and is in control of the circumstances. Trust in his sovereign wisdom and goodness as he leads and you follow. That's what every single one of us are called to do. Secondly, as I was saying a moment ago, it means to embrace that life. Take hold of it. Remember what Paul says to Timothy? Take hold of eternal life. Take hold. Grab onto it. Don't let go. Embrace it. Receive it. Hug it. Grab onto this. Own your singleness. Own your marriage. Own your family as a grace gift, a stewardship from God to be used for the benefit of others and the furtherance of God's kingdom, and yes, even your own joy and fulfillment as you humbly receive this gift and walk out this calling. And negatively, it means resist the urge or temptation to think or say, when the season of my life is over, then I'll serve God. Then I'll seek God. Or when I get married, then I'll really be useful to God. Or when I'm retired. When I'm less busy with this or that, then I'll be able or useful. There's a human tendency to discount and excuse ourselves because of our current station in life or status. But God has called you where you are. And even gifted you. Man, that really has to change, right? Our way of thinking. It's a gift. Either with singleness or marriage to be right where you are in order to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Today is the day. Today is the day to seek the Lord. Today is the day to use this gift to serve others. Today is the day to use this gift to advance the kingdom of God by proclaiming the gospel through our life, our words, and our deeds. What matters for us is obeying God right now, right where we are. What matters is the new creation, church. Jordan quoted this last week, and I love it. Eugene Peterson, his book, Run With the Horses. The only place you have to be human is where you are right now. The only opportunity you will ever have to live by faith is in the circumstances you are provided this very day. 
the house you live in, this family you find yourself in, the job you've been given, the weather conditions that prevail at this moment. Today, embrace the life that God has given you. Now, I want to say in closing, something we need to remember as Christians is that our message, the message of the gospel or the lifestyle as disciples of Jesus that follows it, it's never been accepted by any culture, carte blanche. It's always been a challenge. It's always been difficult to swallow, whether that's for conservative people or liberal people, all throughout the ages. This is, it's always been the same. When you know, the first century heard about the sexual ethics of the New Testament, they were like, that sounds great, I'm on board. Like, that's not how it was. It was like, okay, I've got to deny myself in order to follow Jesus. I've got to turn from these things and turn toward Jesus. Because remember, when the gospel was first preached, it wasn't right or left. It wasn't just another religion. It was a new politic. It was a message declaring there is a new king like no other king. There is a new kingdom that has been established and it is a kingdom of righteousness and justice. And with that, there is a new way of living in the kingdom of God. Again, going back to those eschatological ethics that Paul has based this whole teaching on. Live in the already church. We need to hold on to this differentiation no matter what the shifting tide. Be it conservatism or liberalism. Even as I was writing out the study, I know that in my thinking, in my practice, I'm susceptible as anyone to think like the world or the culture that I grow up in, the culture we're all swimming in. And I can swing the pendulum just like anyone else. I can tend to focus on the proof texts that support what I already think, <laughs> you know, what I want to hear about singleness, marriage, relationships, and family. But the truth is that every one of us is tempted to affirm our own rightness to hear what we want to hear. And usually the filter through which we put these things through is the filter of self. What is best for me? What will satisfy me? What will make me happy? Listen, my last appeal. Paul, when celebrating the goodness of being single or the goodness of marriage, was not celebrating personal freedom and personal fulfillment, but glory to God good to others, the putting of the kingdom of God on display, and through that, the finding of our true selves as the people of God. Augustine said, God is closer to me than I am to myself. It is only through God, through submission to him and his will and his kingdom way that we find ourselves, that we find what we were created for, what it means to be human, what it means to live the good life, that is only through God. And church, as we practice what Paul is exhorting us to in 1 Corinthians 7, about the goodness of marriage, about the goodness of singleness, about each of us using our gift to benefit others, to glorify God, to advance the kingdom, we're going to cultivate this kingdom of God community here. We're going to put the kingdom of God on display. And guess what? There are so many broken and hurting people 
that are looking for this fullness that is offered us in Jesus Christ. Will we follow this exhortation? Will we open wide the front doors of this church and say, this is a place where you can find belonging. This is a place where you are needed and you are needy. Will we do this? I'll close with this. Alistair McIntyre in his book, After Virtue, says this, as the surrounding society loses its connecting glue, the most important response is to build local, small-scale forms of community, teaching our children and our congregations how to reestablish strong, life-giving relationships in a world falling apart. What matters at this stage is the construction of local forms of community within which civility and the intellectual and moral life can be sustained through the dark ages which are already upon us. Nancy Piercy says, our families and churches must become centers of civilization that reach out beyond themselves with a model form of community. The strongest Christian communities, families, congregations, groups of singles are those driven by a larger vision, a sense of ministry. If God has given you a dependable income, a loving spouse, a strong church community, a reliable group of friends, those gifts, charisma, grace gifts, are not just for you. They are to equip you to reach out and draw in those who are broken and searching. God is giving you the opportunity to bring hope that Christianity is real and not just words, to put flesh and bones on the message of hope and healing. Christians must be prepared to minister to the wounded, the refugees of the secular moral revolution whose lives have been wrecked by its false promises of freedom and autonomy. We are at a unique moment in history where we have an incredible opportunity to become safe havens where people witness the beauty of relationships reflecting God's own commitment and faithfulness. Amen. Will we heed the call is the question. Will we practice this receiving of God's good gifts? Will we put the life of Jesus on display, imitating him, using these grace gifts to benefit others, to glorify God and to advance the kingdom of God? I hope we will. Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian. With all the chaos, unrest, and uncertainty in our world, behind it all is the unseen realm where a spiritual battle is being waged. And this spiritual battle not only affects the world collectively, but even our lives individually. This month's book, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian, will give you an understanding of the battle that is raging behind the scenes you will understand the enemy who is waging war against you, his tactics, and how you can be equipped to emerge victorious. As people of God, we must be aware of the spiritual battle we're all involved in, the sophisticated ways in which we're constantly being attacked, and the provision for victory we have in Jesus. If you want to be equipped for the spiritual battle we're engaged in, or to be able to help others become equipped, we encourage you to call us right now. 
at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights as Pastor Brian resumes our study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. Hi, this is Cheryl and Brian Broderson. And we wanted to tell you that we're going to Israel in October 2022. And we want you there with us. Yeah, the dates are October 23rd through November 4th. And this is going to be a tremendous trip. Cheryl, what's your favorite thing about Israel? I love the Galilee, but Brian... You and I both know there's so much because we love watching the Bible come alive, whether you're at Tel Aviv or you're at Jerusalem or Caesarea. Yep. Or Mount Mount Carmel. Carmel. Yes. And it is the trip of a lifetime. So we'd love to have you join us. And if you're interested, we're going to have an informational meeting on Sunday, March 20th at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. Or you can find out the details if you go online at israel.cccm.com. Yep. We hope you can join us. It's going to be great. It will be.